Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the American Masterminds Podcast. Each episode, we invite extraordinary guests who are masters of their craft, they're innovators, entrepreneurs, and of course, motorcycle enthusiasts who have made their mark in the world. They share their stories, insights, and hard-earned wisdom, giving you a front row seat to the strategies and experiences that shape their successes. So sit back, grab a drink, and get ready for an exhilarating ride as we dive deep into the minds of these exceptional individuals. Along the way, we'll uncover powerful strategies, gain fresh perspectives, and explore the limitless possibilities of what it takes to be an American mastermind. <laughs> well, alloys, uh, uh, we weld mainly railings, stairs, things like that, fence panels. Um, you know, it's a means so that I can build whatever the fuck I want on the weekends. Oh. You know. All right, so bring us back to this. We were, we've been talking about we were back in the dealership and whatnot. How did you get to railings? Because I know that that wasn't the first uh, rendition of the business plan. Oh, boy, not even close, <laughs> you know. I started with motorcycles and quickly found out that's a tough game, especially in Utah, that's a six-month game. And uh, I love doing the motorcycles, but I also love eating. <laughs> that's important. <laughs> so, um, then I kind of transitioned into, I got this place actually, you know, and transitioned into being kind of Mr. Pinterest. You know, I could do wood, I could do metal. Um, tough game still all the stuff the husband's wife exactly. want them to do that can't do it that was kind of my even my open re- remark when i'd go out to these people's houses is you know if you find it on pinterest i can build it <laughs> and that's pretty much what i did for two years you know your husband can't do that yeah yeah i can't mm-hmm. exactly and uh and then i i got into it and and there's a lot of math with railings and so it kind of scared me away but every building has railings you know, and so this contractor I know, and actually our neighbor growing up, Scott Eagleston, big shout out to Scott Eagleston, um, he kind of just kept feeding me all these railings, and I just would figure it out and figure it out and fuck it up and figure it out, and uh, you know, but then I quickly learned there's there's such a market for the railings, and then with the railings, they want to know if you can do the stairs, and my biggest asset I would say is. Uh, writing checks that my ass can't cash and then I go back and figure it out you know and you do that a couple times and you get a little bit more comfortable with it good call fake it till you make it baby what you find out is nobody knows what they're doing nobody these contractors they like to have these fancy offices and big ass trucks and this and that they don't know but they can't make a square deck no no and and they what you find out is there's these architects and these people who went to school for years and engineers and whatnot, and they go, what do you think? And I go, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do it like this because it's easier. <laughs> there's a lot less math Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but that's how I got into it. So you, you kind of, in the transition from that, um, I know that, Part of it was is your customer base that you're dealing with. Now you're working more with the contractor side where when you're doing Mr. Pinterest, you're kind of on the consumer side. Yeah, and residential, the, commercial, you know. The the residential game is, it's what you get is a lot of talking. You get a lot of people who have opinions. You have, you need to, them to make decisions, which is a, and you're dealing with designers. 
what a. Right. <laughs> we'll go into that. Unrealistic well, expectation. Into, yeah, designers are. It, it's it's the biggest. What do you call it? Snake oil salesman. Farce. Yeah. It's a farce. You know, anyone can call themselves a designer, and that's the problem. And they think that the harder, the the longer it takes for them to make a decision, the more astute their services are, which is just a crock of shit. <laughs> but then once you get into the commercial game, there's one way to do it. There's one way to build a railing. It's either out of pipe or square tube, and there's one way, and it's great. Everyone's on the same page. They call you know in the plans. It's like safety yeah. instead of it's, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And no one's nitpicking the the color. Is it too flat? Is it too shiny? Is that it's what it black. is? It's, it's yellow. <laughs> it's safety yellow. <laughs> yeah. Is the consistency thing, like, are there just standards that you're just fitting within certain standards? Or is it kind of just like an industry standard, but it's not written necessarily? It is an absolute industry standard. Yeah. For these uh, apartment complexes, condos, and whatnot, there's two styles. They have it, to meet a code, yeah. correct? You're not allowed, basically, to fit a four-inch ball anywhere in the any structure. If you follow that baseline, you'll be solid. How many four-inch balls do you have in your shower? A couple. <laughs> Good call. Good call. Everything's four-inch. Really? Yeah. So if you can fit a four-inch ball somewhere, you need to put a piece of pipe there. Is that like baby's head size or? So yeah. So actually three Puppy. years ago, uh, three or four years ago, they, now explain this one, they changed it from five inches to four inches. Now are baby's heads getting smaller? <laughs> I don't but it's for <laughs> babies' heads, um, which made them... No, they're crawling sooner, mm-hmm. so their heads are smaller. Well, it also created a boom in the welding industry, because if you apply to refinance, if you oh, apply you for have to anything, redo it. you have to redo it. And that's oh. one of the first things that they check for code would be the stairs and the railings. Yep. And oh. when an inspector comes by, he has a... He has a four-inch ball. He has a four-inch <laughs> ball. No kidding. The crazy part is now with the stairs. So you're not allowed if you know a measurement, a three-eighths difference in, so, you know, here back in October, we did a eight-flight staircase, and you're not allowed a three-eighths inch difference in the stairs heights over 122 stairs. Now, mind you, we made a, a small mounting mistake, and we mounted one of the main beams that holds the stairs seven-eighths of an inch too far east, and it caused a a two and a quarter inch difference at the top of the stairs. Oh, yeah, seven eighths inch difference. It got now, mind you, it was negative fifteen when we were doing this. It was the middle of winter. It was all ice, you know. But uh, we had to fix it. Rip it out. Mm-hmm. So, what do you do in that situation? We get two big winches and we attach them to something very sturdy. And because <laughs> what they go and they backfill it with concrete, you know. I actually I, these were pre-cast concrete but still you know each flight of nine stairs you're looking at about 10 tons you know of concrete because they're big stairs and so we take basically two big ass winches hook them to the roof and lift it up which brings it in seven eighths of an inch oh wow Mm. huh so you got that one all fixed and taken care of and you got well you don't pass code you don't get a check yeah yeah can't eat that week. Yeah, exactly. Huh. So Back to Pinterest. How hard, when you're out in the field and whatnot, you're installing these, explain us the process that you go through kind of from the beginning of getting the bid, 
your kind of method of how you do that? How do you go through the whole process of a job? Well, you'll get a call from a contractor, and that means nothing because it, nothing's in stone at that point. You'll go measure, you'll give them a bid, maybe in two months' time you'll hear back again after that because that is the downfall to commercial. It's very slow, um, and things are very you know planned out in advance. So you'll get a job in January, and you might not actually build it till August, you know. So you got to keep the. So it's a numbers game. Yeah. You're constantly. Mm -hmm. You're always writing bids. You're always doing that. But you'll go measure, and uh, you know there are some formulas. This guy who kind of taught me how to weld. We call him Old Ben Mike. Uh, he was actually next to that dealership. Did you ever meet Mike? Oh my God, <laughs> that is a memory. Yeah. That dude was. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, he was an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. well, I think you guys would be shocked. We talk about probably once or twice a week for an hour a day. Really? So, you know, That's still amazing. to this day. He, he, he teaches me. Now, he, he has no teeth and one leg, and he's a bit senile. But when that guy sits down to weld, he just knows what he's talking about. But he'll kind of explain things to you, and you won't understand it. And then, like, two months later, you'll be like, There it was. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> He's like, what you want to do is you want to take a board, you describe a line, you describe a thing here, then you know your angles and this and that. You know, he doesn't use a computer, nothing. He just does it all in the back of his head and he carries around this little black book of mistakes he's made in the past and how not to do them again. Wow, <laughs> that's genius. He says what? that's my inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> does this guy legitimately have one leg? Yeah. Like, actually, yeah. not a joke. Yes. He has he got one it. leg. And no teeth. Is also and a, no teeth. not a joke. Huh. And he chews a cigarette, and I mean that <laughs> quite literally. It's lit and chewed. I don't, I've never seen him actually take a, like a drag off of it. No. It's just lit and chewed on, chewing in the corner of his mouth. He kind of chews it like those guys chew a cigar, you know. I think he what? eats them. Oh, no. He's a, this person he actually exists. He yeah. Freaking wild. And, and wild. when we were in the building, quick side story, but we were in that building uh, with the dealership. He every week he would come in and bitch about the bathrooms and who was cleaning them every single solitary while week. While chewing his cigarette. While chewing his cigarette and then he, he talks, well you're probably the best impersonator. Of him. No, he, he is, it's hard to do, you know, Jesus Christ. You know? <laughs> These motherfuckers can... won't clean the goddamn bathroom. <laughs> Leaving their fucking the shit stains everywhere. No That's teeth. what it was. I was like, I distinctly Jesus. remember there being a piece of paper in the bathroom that was like, clean up your fucking shit stains. It was 100% for me. 100%. This one, I'm sorry, one more. Okay. But this one time, my mom was coming down to the dealership and uh, he. We had, like everybody was on a, was aware that this this on event alert. was happening. We cleaned the shop up, everything. I even went over to Mike before she got there and was like, "Hey, Mike, listen, my mom is coming down here. Okay, so let's just try to everybody. We're just gonna make this make it through this together. Okay." He comes in. I shit you not. The first <laughs> thing he says is the most. I don't remember what the joke <laughs> was. Vulgar. It was it the was most, most grotesque. No, it was so. It was so bad. That my mom, it was just even like so taken aback from it. She's like startled and started laughing. And he kind of chuckles and walks off. And he comes back five Daughter. minutes later and he goes, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not around women very often. <laughs> <laughs> 
couldn't help myself. <laughs> oh, God. He never apologizes either. No, no, yeah. that was a big deal. That's he awesome. apologized for this one. Oh, I'm God, sorry. That was funny. Oh, I'm sorry. That was too far. No. No. <laughs> anyway. What were we talking about? <laughs> you have Mike on my brain. Oh, you're saying the, the stuff that you learned from Mike um, and the mistakes this, not to how make. How did that stem from the process, the, the process of getting a job? Well, you oh. know, getting a job. Oh, you were that. about to tell, start telling a story about the dude who taught you how to weld, Mike. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. But they're all good stories. Yeah, <laughs> he's. Uh, we do talk a lot often, but uh, you know, he's just got that knowledge that you can't. You know, you yeah. only learn as you kind of screw things up. Sure. Because you never learn anything when it goes right. Nope. You know, but I think Topher was asking me about the process of getting a job and whatnot. Um, it's it is a long game, and that's what's so nerve wracking about it. And then what happens is, is all of a sudden they're like, "We need this in three weeks." Right. You know. And, well, we need deposits, but, you know, these huge jobs, and it is, it's really, and I can, my dad has taught me a lot of, of basically just keep saying yes, keep saying yes, and, you know, even if you don't know how to do it, it'll make you nervous, it'll do this, but somehow you'll get to the end of the job and it'll work out. Nobody knows what they're doing. They like to use all these big words, call outs and sheets and, oh, Whoever invented building plans, that whole system should be completely redone, you know, because the people who write them, read them, communicate them are not the people who built them. Yeah. The concrete guy has no idea where the hell to put this plate because he can't understand it. It's a different scale, engineer scale. Yeah. But Cindy in the office does. Yeah. I don't know what good that does us. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's it's crazy how you have to relate stuff on paper to the field mm-hmm. it's like that's tough well and then the crazy part is is two separate companies i won't name them but you know this this new 3d software it's not new but it's starting to get used everywhere and all the residential guys use what's called sketchup and they all love it and they pass notes and it's kind of like google drive almost you can share and collaborate someone else can come in and add to it and it's great because you can walk around and you can see, oh, that's not going to work. This is going to work. But these big commercial companies refuse to use it. They want to use 2D paper drawings, and they don't make sense because there's layers to them. And then you got to flip to page 245 to find the detail on page two, you know, and it makes no sense. And I said, guys, oh, no shit, you're having problems? Because nobody understands this. Yep. Nobody understands. And then they revise it. But they don't send it out to everyone they sent the original plans to. Only the person who was like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. They're like, oh, here's the new one. Yeah. And so I send them this 3D model, which is great, throughout the whole staircase. They can zoom in. They can see what what nuts are going there. There's labels. They click on it. Up pops a little thing that I've written on it. Nope. Can you put this in a 2D format? You know? That's wild. Because it's their system. Yeah. You have to wonder. that's That's probably bureaucracy driven. Right, somebody has to have a job. This person has to check these plans. So you could probably speak to this. This is a this is a government thing where they they have to have all these different people that are involved for jobs and whatnot, and it just makes a clusterfuck. Yeah, we have a this guy has a salary to read two D. So right, right. (laughs) Do that in CAD. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I know nothing about the process, but that is the only thing that I can imagine. Is that it's it's just 
we're employing people. It really is because, and that's half the job, those months leading up to it, they want to know, you know, how are you going to mount this? What bolts, you, what size of bolts, how deep in the concrete you're going to go? And you have to submit all these drawings of, of what you're going to do. So do you, you, do you have to turn drawings into civil engineer yeah. and have it all? They're called shop drawings when they're from someone that's not educated. Correct. And that's... It's the truth. They these, look the same. These dumb shop drawings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what we're actually going to do, though, yeah. you know, because the engineer will send you plans and then they'll say, but don't don't follow it. You know, it's all it is is so they can submit these something are reference to the only. city. This is reference only. And the city can say, we think that's going to be safe. Huh. It's, uh, I'll tell you what, if, if you take that bureaucracy out of it, you could cut half the time yeah. down in building. It really and, and cost yeah and that's why in and out you know they just put that jack-in-the-box over there that's why they build the same building yeah. every time because they don't have to redo all this crap that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. interesting well it's like I, I read somewhere that in order to get a pothole filled in the road there's eight different groups of people that have to come and inspect it before it gets mm -hmm. It's it actually gets filled. Yeah. Nonsense. It's a real thing. <laughs> That's wild. That's why there's like vigilante pothole filling groups that are like breaking the law by filling potholes on well, their like, own dime. Those bastards. It's, it's Those even bastards. worse. It's like somebody has to come out. They have to see, okay, yes, there is a pothole. That's one person. There's a pothole right here, right? And then there's somebody that comes in that has to measure the pothole. Then there's somebody that has to come in and measure for the materials for the pothole, then somebody that has to come in and make sure that that's the right amount of materials that they're going to order, and then there's somebody that comes in that has to clean it, and then somebody that actually comes in and fills it. And you're just talking about the people that show up there. Then there's a whole purchasing department. Yeah. You know, I'll go back and forth on that with you, because um, which president, was it uh, Eisenhower, or who built Route 66? Because you know that's where all this stuff stems back to. He started building Route 66 to put money back into the government to give people jobs. The government started employing the general population. Yes. And it was a big deal. Now, do we need six guys to fill a pothole? No. But, you know, I don't we know what the five to hold are. shovels up yeah. Yeah. and one guy to do the work. Well, that's take government out, work. Take out government work. That's And then what would happen? Economy, yeah. You know. That makes sense. And in construction, I mean, that's a massive job market. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that are employed and, and produce their living from that. So. And you wonder, is it intentionally slow? I'm sure that it is to some level. Because they, they could redo that road in a couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Dude, I've had this, this giant sign up on my road. You know my road, that windy road? Yeah. They're redoing it, so they chip-coated it, and then they sealed it. And then there's a sign up that's been up for like two weeks that says, this road's going to shut down. For seven days, so you're gonna have to find an alternate route. That's the only way into my neighborhood. Like, that's the only way, unless you go clear around Rush Valley, and like that's an hour extra. Wait, road Just, closed or an hour extra? That's your options. Right. Wow. And I'm like, so what? And then you know, all over the internet, they're like asking questions. What's going on? What are they gonna do? It's to stripe the road. Are I'm you like, serious? you guys need a week to stripe the road. Come on. Here's a question for you, and now we're going down a road path, but why, why does not a, like a Zamboni machine exist for roads? 
You literally just drive it over, it fills it over, and puts a little layer on top. I, yeah, they have that. That's a thing. Why but, don't they just use that when they have to go and fill stuff? They do. When? Yep. But they got to have it approved by those eight other uh, guys. Yeah. All right. They bring that out, but that's after two months of assessment. That makes sense. Yeah. You're right. My apologies. <laughs> um, okay, so Landon, you get the job. You work all this process. When you're making... Um, yeah, we had turned that off. Yeah. Beeping on us. <laughs> Money. <laughs> um, I want the little Venmo cash sound. <laughs> the real question that I would like to get on the podcast for this one is, so you went from motorcycles and you went from the Pinterest. I want to know the process that you got into getting to the bigger jobs and into the commercial. I know that that's been a big process and that you've just recently expanded to a significantly larger shop. You now have employees and everybody that, that's pitching in and doing this. You've even transitioned to a phase where you're kind of behind the computer and doing some of these drawings and whatnot. Walk us through that process of going from the Pinterest guy and doing stuff basically in the garage to now you're the guy making all these plans and whatnot and the revelations and whatnot that you got along the way. Big time. You know, I don't even know how I got there. I do know how I got there and that's people. It's people. And, you know, uh, I know some other guys, some younger contractors and whatnot. Anyway, point of the story is, is they they turn down jobs, they turn down the bids. They won't even they kind of stick their nose up at digging a hole, doing this, doing that. And you know, one of the contractors that we're talking about that does all these stairs and, and whatnot, he, <laughs> I pissed off a designer, and and he was the contractor on the job, and she just kept making this redo it and redo it and redo it and uh, <laughs> and he's like well just redo it redo it you know at a cost to me I think I ended up eating all that cost but point of the story is is just going on bid after bid after bid I mean I'll, I'll go on five bids a week you know in the mornings and not saying no not not to sound like some inspirational speech but that's that's literally how I did it is just take every opportunity, any phone call, any this, any that, and just doing the best job I could, you know. I didn't know how to do a lot of that, a lot of it. A lot of it was learning on the job. Exactly, you know. And you think, oh, should I know how to do this? Do other shops know how to do this, you know? But they don't, they really don't. They do the same thing, they're just 10 years ahead of me. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but you know, once I figured out how to do the railing, I figured out that that, can be the the bread and butter of the of the whole business and i can teach other guys how to do it you know i've got some young young kids and they're enthusiastic but um you know to answer your question just well why why is that the bread and butter for the audience that doesn't you know that doesn't realize what's what's going on here because any any building that has a drop of over 30 inches which is just under three feet needs a railing it needs a railing. Every single building needs a railing. And once you, your name gets out there that you do railing, mind you, in Utah, there's only five other businesses, companies that do railing. Most welders won't touch the railing. It, it's... Why is that? The math. Hmm. People don't understand. So I, I told you about the seven-eighths thing. It, it's real. When you're doing anything on an angle, you know, if you're off your math by an inch, that can change the angle by five degrees. 
So these know. guys come in, they'll do a job, they, they're off by an inch, and now they have to eat the cost of the whole thing and they don't make it out of the, the starting block. Exactly. Some guys will weld on site, but that's a very tough way to do right. it. Right. Really tough way to do it. And your fit and finish never is good, you know, when you're trying to do that. Right. But, uh, so but, your, your measurements, your tools of your trade, what, what do you take with you on a bid? <laughs> so I take, um, there's all my tools, mostly my measuring tools are for electricians. Um, so when electricians set conduit pipe going up walls and whatnot, okay. they use these angle finders that are digital and, but they're not, um, earth magnets. They're actually just level with, so you set it down you set your zero and then your, and then you set your angle there. So it's relative to your starting point. Exactly, mm. exactly. And they'll, and they also use this laser line level that sets out all, if you ever look up in your ceiling, you've got can lights, you know, and they set this big laser out that shoots, you know, five lasers out in this direction. And that's how they know where to set their can lines, you know, and I use that. And then you just hold your tape measure up until it hits the, the laser. And now, you know, everything's a triangle, you know, so you got your rise and your run. Once you know that, you can find out your angles, your run, or your your angles, everything. Right. From that. Interesting. Huh. That is interesting. So math. Now Trying. in high school, did you think that that was going to be the, the formula for your success? <laughs> Pythagorean theorem. Everyone gives, now I'm not math at all. My sister, my twin sister did all my math all the way up to, <laughs> I, I got in college. I got in college and had to take a, like a aptitude test or whatever to to place and they just stuck me in the lowest class they had I had to do four classes before they were even going to give me college credit <laughs> those, like, we don't know how you passed high school for those, that, for those listening that don't know Landon is a twin he has a twin sister Lexi and that Sue's talking about that and she did she would go around did you even meet your high school counselor no not once <laughs> She would set us, we had every single class together from elementary school all the way to our senior year in high school, aside from maybe a gym class, you know, and she would set it up, we'd walk together, we, she'd do the homework, you know, but I was a writer, I was a bit of a writer and I, I did the English and writing and stuff like that, but. So did you guys trade? Did you do writing for her and she did math for oh, you? Oh, absolutely. And everyone knew we were cheating, they just couldn't prove it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we live in the same house. <laughs> We're twins. We have the same handwriting. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Huh. Okay, so then you get to, you take all these bids and whatnot, and you, you're moving through. Railings is the new, new uh, gig. But that's kind of a boring site, right? Oh, yeah. It's just monotonous, it, and it, you can, it's about how much you can produce. Well, what you figure out is, what you figure out is, if you want to make money, you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> If you want to enjoy it, you're not going to make money. You want to be an artist, be an artist. You want to make money, you got to do shit no one else wants to do. But you probably get jobs where you, you're excited to do. <clears throat> you or know, you only do... It's far and few between. The okay. stuff I want to do is the stuff I do on the side. Okay. I'm building a sidecar right now for a motorcycle. There you, <laughs> you go. Know, there you go. That's the stuff you want to do. But... That's you know, what fuels the fire. I've done to it. To go build the handrails yeah, all day long. yeah. It feels good to know when you step back and you look at this thing, you can't even see the top of it, and you go, yeah, I fucking did that. Yeah. Me and a bunch of high school kids, basically. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's within three-eighths, baby. Yeah, exactly. 
but I've done it where you know you enjoy doing it but you're not making money yeah and I've done it where you're not really enjoying it but you're making money what you find is you find that you to re-engage yourself you pay attention to the details or you you try to make that bracket better and and where you get the the joy out of it is the product is good yeah you know yeah that's good we sand all of our welds da sand which is a random orbital sander which is rare really rare but it sets you apart it really does yeah Uh, stupid things like that sure that's where you find the interest or you know the things they don't care about like the handrail brackets i've really gotten into the handrail brackets because there's no code about a handrail bracket so you can really do whatever you want they're upset when it's cool but (laughs) i think that is like the that's kind of the key. I heard something relatively recently that was, it, I can't remember if it was on NPR or something, where they were talking about like how much of a person's job do they have to enjoy to be retained in that job, to, mm-hmm. to have good retention. And usually it's like 10%. If you enjoy 10% of your job, you are more likely than anyone else to stay. That's all you need yeah. is 10%. It's wow. funny you say that because I do say similar things that I thought I came up with. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. Ten, I say, if you, if like you enjoy this job. 10%, that's not bad. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine because you're making money. The well, 90% mm-hmm. is what no one else wants to do yeah. and that's why you're getting paid. The yeah. 10% is your reward for sticking through yeah. with it. You know, but there is something to be said. Even though you're grinding that thing or you're doing it and you've done it 400 times that day, you know, and it's boring... But I never wake up and go, God, I don't want to do this. Fuck this. That never happens. Yeah. You know? But I imagine that what helps is you don't have anybody to answer to. It is, yeah. at the end of the day, it's you and you alone. It's up to you to fail or succeed. Exactly. Yeah. Which is part of the big drive to it, I mm-hmm. would imagine. And when you get that big job, when you get that big check, and the job's finally over, and you get, because they break it up into fists when you're on the contractor's job and, or the you know commercial jobs. You get one when you get the job. You get one when you when you submit your plans, you know, and so on and so forth. And you finally get that last paycheck, which usually everything's paid for. Your guys are paid for. The shop's paid for. That's usually my money. You know, that last check, that's when you put a smile on your face and yes. you, you dance and off you to the back. you go work on the uh, sidecar. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you start looking on KSL for what much I you <laughs> So working through this... Tell us about what, because I know you've done mix, and obviously railing is not going to be the your favorite project, but it pays the bills. What is your favorite project? What's the one that you've done that was really the, the creme de la creme for you? So my very first set of stairs was actually a uh, spiral staircase, and uh, it was my favorite. I've been trying to sell spiral staircases ever since. Nobody really, they're not functional. Right. But there's no codes on them. You know, oh, well very minimal because hmm. their rises have to be much taller than others basically if you don't hit your head on it as you're walking up it, it it's good to go hmm. um i i would build an entire business on spiral staircases but nobody wants them because if you have a spiral staircase you have to have a second uh entry it's not a main staircase oh you can't so, Okay. If you have two le- two levels, that's, that's yeah. a code. Yeah. You have okay. to have a. So it's kind of like this kitschy, fun staircase in the back. Right. But huh. people don't like to throw twenty grand at kitschy. So hmm. interesting. All right. 
The other question I had out of this was, um, so I want you to give a shout out to your, your high school program. One of the things that I think that you've done that's really, really cool is you've made friends, and ironically, what high school is it? Because uh, Riverton High School. Riverton High School, and they have a really good welding program. Right, so it's, it's kind of like the Mormon churches to the high schools here, you know, it's adjacent, but correlated. You know, it's not on the property, but it's <laughs> on the other side of the parking lot. You know, it's uh, JTEC. Um, and they have diesel, they have cooking, they have, um, somebody was saying something else, can't remember, weldings, all sorts. Of th- but it's a, it's a whole thing that the governor um, is trying to implement to get kids to think more trade-like and yeah. less, you know, endless student debt and you have nothing at the end. Lesbian of it. dance theory. <laughs> but yeah uh, the trades are struggling to to get filled right now mm-hmm. I mean, no one wants to work well and what's wild about that is is it, it's been proven over and over again vast majority outside if you take doctors and lawyers and like actual degrees that need pieces of paper okay or actual jobs that need pieces of paper rather the trade schools actually make more money and it's a kind of been a lost thing and they are struggling with numbers these yeah. days and they're, I know what they're doing because we had a, a Hank on here in his high school. They're doing the same thing. So is, it, is that something the governor's trying to it's, put together? I guess, and I didn't know this. I kind of thought it was a nationwide thing. But after talking to the teacher, it's, it's huge in Utah. And I knew it in my – I never applied to any of them. I didn't really know about it in high school. But uh, I knew – excuse me. I knew all sorts of kids that were a part of it. And uh, – but it's it's huge in Utah, and they're really pushing it, and they're and they're opening up new programs for even nursing stuff like that. Um, That's awesome. These kids can leave high school with certificates, and I'll tell you, these kids coming out of this now. I think this guy's a little special over there at Riverton. He's he's got, you know, he's doing more of a job than they're paying him for, sure, type of thing. Sure. You know, he really wants them to succeed and and whatnot. But these kids coming out of these high school programs are very proficient welders you know, really proficient. He's teaching them all five processes. Are you getting employees from? I am. Awesome. So I'm getting my teeth cleaned one day by a gal who, now I've had the same dental hygienist for five years, nicest lady in the world. All of a sudden she couldn't, she called in sick one day. So they call this other gal in and I'm talking to her. I'm telling her I'm a welder and this and that. She said, Oh, my kid just is about to graduate over at Riverton. And, and you think he could tinker around with you on on the weekends or something you teach him something he shows up i'm thinking i'm going to teach this kid how to weld he knows exactly how to weld i said well why don't we pay you and we can build some stuff you know and then he's like i have friends you know and all of a sudden the uh he went he introduced me to his teacher and his teacher shake your hand yeah he comes out and he's like can we start getting these kids you know when they graduate because they graduate twice a year out of the program he says i want to get them in here you know Maybe not, this isn't a career, but this is a starting block for Jumping them at least. Point. Yeah. yeah, and it's been great. I mean, they have lots of energy, and that's really sure. all I need, you know? Heck yeah, and, they can run uh, Sander. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect. They, I thought, again, I was going to teach them how to weld, but he's doing such a damn good. I, I, I'd imagine you'd go to these trade schools, because I'm self-taught. I, I've never taken a welding class, nothing like that. I just welded and welded and welded and figured it out. And Mike. And Mike. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't really even know what it looks like when you come out of trade school. Right. But 
these kids are are every bit as proficient to to start a career you know they could go into a career when they're done so it's pretty neat that is a great program mm-hmm. and it's very it's valuable it, it we need it you know all the job market you, welders it, they're needed all over the place and to give them a start in something like this where they're also excited about what you're doing you're younger you got the you know, it's, it's something that they, they really aspire to and they're coming out and, and then hopefully it works as a springboard to, to something else for them. Sure. Well, and on that topic, the I don't know about, because there's a diesel program and, and cooking and stuff, I don't know about those, but there's actually a national welder society um, and they're backing the Utah welding, welders, um, these programs, the JTEC programs. And so these kids can apply and they can get, a you know, upwards of 100 grand grant to start their own welding business no wow. kidding yeah mm-hmm. now it's a loan but they only have to pay back half of it wow yeah. now this uh the national i'm saying that wrong it's a, a association you know you every welder's a part of it. even i'm part of it you pay 20 bucks a month to it but that that proceed goes to things like this it's really neat because the the two kids i got working for me right now they actually want to get into roll cages and and uh and off-road chassis Power and stuff sports. like that that's um, awesome you know and they but they're you know i think i'd like to think i'm teaching them a thing or two about the business side of things and they got to be fast at it and and really break the numbers down you know and what your kind of your plan is is i know you have one if you want to give a shout out to them but it, you've got one that you think is can be kind of groomed for this but then your plan for the other one is to give more of an opportunity for kids coming out it'll be kind of a short-lived thing and then you see them off to the next their next phase right that's kind of the idea of the riverton because these kids they're they'll go on to other things you know (laughs) you can only weld railing so long especially if you want to weld other things but these kids definitely want to start their own business and and they can use that grant up to five years they can apply for it after they graduate and so that's their plan but his mom's got a really good head on her and, and she wants him she said no stay with him for a couple of years learn it you know stop being so damn young but <laughs> but once they're done yeah the riverton high school wants to just basically filter these guys in maybe on a six-month period as they graduate and and just give them some life experience help that's great even if they don't become welders you know they can <clears> show up to a job and and go to work and show them some responsibility and, and that's that's great for you as well because these kids probably get burnt out of building hand railings like you're saying in six months oh absolutely you can filter the next yeah. guy in and you know he's gung-ho and ready to it's not glamorous by yeah. any stretch but it is what it is and that is cool and they're getting paid more than flipping burgers you know yes yeah and they seem to enjoy well, it well it's well yeah i to your the point sense the sense of pride right yeah yeah the pride i think the, the sense of pride too. you know accomplishment when you actually build something as opposed to working at the drive-thru exactly and i really think that that's something that's been lost on on recent times you know is somebody formerly that everything i did was with my hands and you switch over to a computer that i don't i know you're building stuff and whatnot on the computer there is a certain satisfaction that comes with doing something and you step seeing back. something and yeah yes. look at it and it's a whole different level yes. of accomplishment and you have something to show for yeah. what you've done and you know every flaw mm-hmm yeah yeah but it still looks pretty badass yeah i think a lot of kids don't know that feeling yeah especially today you know when everything that they're doing is is done on the computer and something when you're building something you're screwing up every 20 minutes 
and you know you kind of get in adversity you don't get mad about it it's just something that happens how are we going to fix this right you know well we put that pipe somewhere wrong you know yep and but you learn that adversity and being able learn. to adjust on the fly as well mm-hmm. and not let it overtake you right you know either adapt and overcome i built the most simple set of shelves in my garage the other week <laughs> i fucked it up so bad i could i couldn't understand how I could fuck up something so simple so badly. Like, I, all I do is build stuff on the computer all day, and it's so easy. And putting together two-by-fours, I was like... I'm trying to do the math There's on this board. Shows. I have this board that I measured wrong, and so it's kind of at an angle, and that's like the central board that everything else comes off of, and I just call it the happy board. Yeah. It's just, you know, I learned. I figured it out. Exactly. So when you're when you're doing this and you're you're going through, you found your niche to railing, and we'll see how long you take on this. What do you do to keep up in the welding world of what's going on? What's your kind of your process to stay in the know and, and the happenings in your your sphere here? You know that's an issue though in the welders world is there's a lot of egos. No, there's no communication between the trade. No one the wants trade. To trade secrets. Mm-mm. You got a job, you keep it close to your chest. You know. Wasatch Steel is where everyone in town gets their wa and it's the quietest place you've ever been. Yes. You know, it just sounds like clunk and metal, you know. Nobody talks, nobody shares. It's a problem, you know. Um, as far as keeping up with things, I'd like to, I always say I've, I've outgrown Pinterest. I've outgrown the Internet. There's nothing on there that I haven't built or wouldn't be a stretch in the railing world, you know. There's only so many ways to put pickets. There's only sure. so many ways to do it. You know, but like so that's kind of your main source is you, you're watching shows and whatnot. Discovery Channel, I know, is a real popular one for you, and engineering documentaries and whatnot. Oh, I just eat it up, documentaries and stuff, you know. But uh, I like to. So my fascination is big buildings, bridges, um, skyscrapers, stuff like that. The way they do that, um, the way they like make beams with cross hatches and stuff like that. I've integrated that into railings and stuff. So I, I guess to answer your question, I've stopped looking at railings to, for inspiration for railings. I look at bridge, bridge beams and, and the way the cables go and, and stuff like that and for the inspiration, That's you cool. know. That's Even cool. downtown here, we're, we were huge into metal in downtown Salt Lake, you know. Uh, oh yeah, the gateway and all that. It's well, like go look down at like the the posts, uh, the light posts on on yeah. South Temple, stuff yeah. like that. Um, the the building, the oh, I only know the building because that's where the gay pride thing is always every year because it used to allow not allow me to get on the highway during that week. But um, <laughs> that was the first place that the hydraulic crane was ever used. Really, no to way. build. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, Utah has actually a pretty rich history. Not as much as Chicago, but sure. Um, in the steel, in the steel world. world, yeah, that's cool. I feel like what he, what you touched on right there is so prolific for any trade or any creative person. Like for me, I feel like I could apply it even to websites or like what I do for my freelance stuff. Stop looking at what other people making the same stuff you are are doing. Like, yeah. it's pointless. Look yep. elsewhere, yeah. and you're going to get way more ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. To that point, do you always pay attention to handrails now? Like I can't not see it. I can't. I every see it flaw, ever. every weld that's not sanded. Yeah. 
probably drives you crazy. I can tell you about the six handrails just in this little area that have problems. <laughs> <laughs> the guy two two buildings down needs to turn his gas up. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> That's all bad. Let's kind of change the way that you, you travel too, because I know you, you frequently go on trips and whatnot. Um, where to outside of Salt Lake, and I know we saw some stuff in Chicago when we were out there last. Um, where have you seen the best metal work and whatnot? Places that just saw you, just kind of made you go, whoa, and look around. You know, the two places that stand out are uh, Denver, Colorado, and Austin, Texas. Really? Austin, Texas has some really, now they're doing a lot of art down there, which I think, uh, I'm not a metal art guy where you just take a bunch of junk and weld it together. That's not welding to me, but, but, but their handrails and stuff, they really are doing unique things over there. But Denver, they, they're revamping the whole, the whole downtown, you know, and it's, and the stuff they're doing down there is really, really neat. Um, but you can't beat Chicago. Chicago is metal town USA, yes. you know. Um, they, they've got, <laughs> so a little fascination here. They've got a, a press in Chicago is one, the only one in the entire world that can bend these I-beams, you know, into the structure. Um, and downtown Salt Lake City has a library and that big curve around it, they bent that for that, you know, just in the way it's done and the amount of force it takes in this machine that was built in the 1930s, still wow. operational, you know. And they're the only ones doing it. They're the only ones doing it. That's crazy. Don't they ship those beams out like literally all over the world? All over the world. They're, that's all they do is bend I-beams. That's wild. wild. And the machine's been going since the 30s? The 30s. It was designed and built in the 30s. Probably with very minimal downtime, too. Hydraulic? Yeah. Uh, it's a diesel-powered hydraulic. So wild. the diesel powers a hydraulic pump. pump. Yeah. The amount of force that has to go into bending an I-beam that's not supposed to bend. Right. At all. And these I-beams aren't small. You right. Know? These I-beams, you could stand up in them, you know. It's insane. Jesus. Okay. Now that gave me some perspective. <laughs> yeah, they're six, seven foot tall. You know, stuff like that. Wow. But if you guys now that I've got your attention, let me show you something else. Uh, over in Japan right now, or not Japan, uh, the United Kingdom, they've recreated the I beam, a new I beam. Now think about that. Someone, the I beams being has been used since we started building buildings. Really, you know, since steel kind of came in there. They're calling it a W beam. So it's an I beam, but it's actually in the shape of a W. So it's W, W like this. Oh, well, viewers can't see from my hand. <laughs> but uh, so just on a building downtown, um, it's about, the building's about an acre big, almost. Okay. A little over. Uh, traditionally, you would need about 18 I beams to support the floor, like that. They're doing it with two. Whoa, 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 What? The design is so, so next level, they can do, I think it was eight, 16 or 18 I-beams, they're replacing it with two I, two W-beams. Two W-beams. So how does that work? Because I know that what makes an I-beam so structurally strong is the, the surface tension around it, right? Right. It's the most, so a W, does it have more surface than an I-beam? Yes, well, basically what it can do is an I-beam when forces, if your I-beam is laid out straight, its force, if you're putting downforce on it, it only can carry the load outside of the I-beam like two or three feet. 
So what this W beam allows it to do is carry the force over about 12 feet in each direction. Whoa. It's, it's huge. And they're just coming out with this now. Well, it's uh, new technology um, because it's, it's um, uh, laser fused together. Oh. So basically they have to heat the whole thing up and then friction goes like this. You know, the laser is what heats it, but it's got to be one uniform heating thing. And mind you, these beams are 100 feet long, 200 feet long, and they have to, and then they fuse it into a W, and then there's a top and bottom plate. But it can carry its load like 12 times or 12 feet out in each direction, where traditional I beam, you're looking a couple feet in each direction. That's crazy. Wow. It's uh, it's changing the world. Quite literally. Yeah. Yeah. but there's an issue. Go on. <laughs> uh, the one they did downtown, whoever sent over the plans uh, to the United Kingdom. They weren't 3D, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone made a mistake in the conversion from standard to metric, and the thing was like 18 inches short. Uh. You can't, there's no, there's no splicing and adding on site. It's got to be dead on, because it's one piece. It's not... You know, right. it's so not either, fused together. They either order new I beam or no order new W beams, or they'd have to shrink the building down. Yeah, which they're not going to do. Huh? But there's so much load on this thing. You can't just get some plate and add on. It's really a simple design. You could make this out of some plate steel. You know? Right. Um, but the fact that it is actually one piece is what gives it the strength. Right. So there's no weld to break. Right. Exactly. Interesting, huh? That's a lot of that's a lot of knowledge to yeah. get hit with right yeah. there, isn't it? That was a good knowledge bomb right there. There you go. <laughs> I'm glad I'm talking to someone who actually, you know, I don't have any friends. And <laughs> so my girlfriend, you know, she's got a bunch of girlfriends, you know, and uh, I start talking and, and the eyes just glaze. Most of them just oh, get yeah. up and walk off, you know. <laughs> I'm like, it's a WIV. What are you talking about? <laughs> This fucking guy's talking about W beams again. <laughs> They're like, isn't it an I beam a W beam if you put it on its side? <laughs> oh, her friend's baby. Smack. <laughs> uh, I don't get invited anymore. No? <laughs> Not unless something needs fixing or welding. Every time, yeah. Or moved, or I guess. Moved. I got a truck, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, let's circle back for just two seconds. Um, if you were to give us your pitch on your business, okay, uh, what makes Alloy stand out from everybody else in your competition? What is the? What are the two or three things that, that make you different from anybody else that they're going to go and, and hire for a job? You know, in the blue-collar world, it's reputation. And what you get with a good reputation is not anything to do with your work. It's about, do you answer your phone? Do you ghost people? And do you, say, do, you do what up. you say you're going to do? Show up to the bid. Mm-hmm. If you answer your phone and show up, you'll get most jobs. You know, all these guys get a bad rap, and the problem is, is it's small like city. You know, you get one bad rap, and you're out. Yep. There's other guys that'll do it. Uh, and it has nothing to do with the work, unfortunately. And that goes back to what you talked about earlier, just 
saying yes. Saying I'm yes. going to show up mm-hmm. and say yes mm-hmm. and handle business. And they and they most of the time they'll rather give it to the guy that they know is at least going to produce a product and not. I can't tell you how many times I hear, I gave this guy ten grand, I can't get a hold of him. Yeah. You know, it happens all the time. Hmm. Just don't do that. <laughs> and then you say, oh, well, I'll take your ten grand yeah. too. Yeah. Sign it over. <laughs> yeah. So showing up, doing what you say you're going to do. In the blue-collar world, really, that's all you have to do. You know, it sounds simple. It's not followed. Yeah. It's more rare than anything else. It really is. You know, it's really rare. And then you expedite a job or two and make sure that it's there on their wild time frame, and all of a sudden you're a a hero. Well, and then once you do one job for these guys, because they're always doing more jobs, they got to make money too. You know, what they don't want to do is call another guy, get a different bid, deal with this, you know, different plans. Because you kind of get into their system. Is it the right system? No, but it's their system. And you learn their system, and they don't want to teach someone else their system, you know. Right. And they know where to find you. They know where to send your checks. They know how to do this. And and even though you may be a little bit pricier than some other guy. Yeah, but Landon shows up. Yeah. So we're going to call him. Exactly. And if there's something wrong, you got to fix it. Right. You just got to fix it. And talk about money later. Just go fix it. Do you you offer like a warranty? I'm the warranty. (laughs) Like, do you say if anything ever fails, I'm your guy, I'll I'll come back and... Well, that kind of gets into the reputation. In the commercial world, you've got to carry huge insurances. I have five million, you know, in case something falls. Because you're dealing with staircases and, and... there's bad things to happen, but as far as a warranty goes, I am warranty, you know. But to that point, just for those listening out here, there's a lot of science that goes into staircases. They're not just bolted to the wall. Most of them are they're wedged in, right? Yeah. And they, like, there's a lot of structural that you don't even necessarily see, and, and certainly outside of bolts and, and nuts holding things together. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that does, that's why there's so much planning that goes into it because right. what you don't realize is, is as you wedge that in, your, your load and your force is 10 feet that way. It's on the other side of that wall, you know, and they have to account for that. So that is why there's so much planning. But a lot of people don't realize, like, the standard of a step, <laughs> the rise and the run, and it, if that changes at all, like, you'll fall down the stairs. Yeah. Or just an uncomfortable step. Yeah, and it's just awkward. You see it with decks, wood wood structures, where you know it's there is a bit of play. But I can walk up a set of steps, and you just oh, you know. that's got a small run, that's yeah. got a small rise. Or old houses up into that attic, where man, you're just climbing Steep. a ladder yeah. almost. You know, it is it is interesting. You know, and you have to have that seven inch rise, eleven inch run. Your number has to equal eighteen you know is the idea but the problem is is they say well you only have six feet to work with right and somehow you and have you to, have to get work. up eight feet yeah yeah and still be within those parameters what you end up doing is you end up dragging it long and going out on the landing you know stuff mm-hmm. like that i i'm curious um why do you think that is if you just based off of your, this is totally opinion, based off of your observations, why do you think there's such a prolific problem with people just like not communicating? 
just like not, or just dropping off the face of the planet, like committing to something and then not following through. Like what, why? Why is that happening? Because I have heard that in every space. I heard that in all of my freelance work, anyone who's ever dealt with a website guy has a terrible story about a website guy hanging them out to dry, taking money and then not, not doing what they promised. What is it? You know, I think guys get into this job and, and all of a sudden they get all of this response for it. And people are calling them and people are calling them and they can't manage their time like that. And they think that by lying to the customer, telling them, hey, I can get it to you in three weeks, that that's going to get them the job. Instead of telling them the truth, I'm six months out, you know, right. is that okay? And people are okay with that, yes. you know. But they like to say, we'll get it in two weeks, even though they just told people the past five bids, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, all of a sudden they're backed up, they've taken people's money, and then time goes on. You know, all of a sudden they've called them three times. Now they're past the point of, I could just call them and, and, you know, make up another excuse and, and buy myself a little bit more time, but it's already been two months. They ghost them, they take their money, and there's nothing they can do about it. So it's kind of almost... Like you've got, instead of businessmen, you have people pleasers. You have people who are just trying to say what's going to get them in. But the problem is you can talk as much as you want. If you don't walk the walk, shit doesn't get done. But you don't get your next job, you know? Yeah, Yeah. it drops off real quick. Yeah, all of a sudden you know (laughs) those guys go into different professions because no one's calling them anymore, you know? But then once you do walk the walk and you do do the things you say you're going to do, there's a group, there's several groups around town, obviously, but there's groups of people who do do what they say they're going to do and do finish jobs and, and don't steal people's money. And all of a sudden, you just found yourself in that group yeah. or two groups or three groups, and they all need a metal guy. They all need a tile guy. And there's always that pack of people, and they run around to each job together, and it's kind of cool. The network is yeah. really cool of people who actually do what they say they're going to do. That's something I found for sure. Like, if you are just consistent with like if you just produce consistent work you will find yourself surrounded by people who produce consistent work and then all of a sudden it's just flowing because this guy's going to pass something on to you you're going to pass something on Mm -hmm. to them and then it's just just keeps flowing and you can always charge more on a referral yep (laughs) it's always easier going in hot than it is a cold you know yeah all of a sudden you got a little clout to you so what do you, what, so how many, so you said you have five major companies that you, they're your competitors, right? And obviously there's plenty of work for all five. Um, but how often do you think one tries to enter the space and then fails? How often does that happen? I think that there's tiers of welders. Um, there's the guys that run around in their truck. No, nothing against it. They probably make more than the rest of us. Maintenance guys. They fix dump trucks, Kennecott stuff, dumpsters, gates. Um, but they're all mobile, you know, they're not doing math. They're just welding, fixing excavators, stuff like that. Then you get the middle ground of guys who have shops and stuff like that, but they, they just don't feel comfortable getting to that next level. And because the work's there, people will offer you these big jobs that you might not know how to do. And it have, maybe I'm off on that, but the jobs are everywhere. There's open bidding, stuff like that. Um, I think it's really just kind of a lack of guts to take on that first one, um, you know. Well, that would be one of your secret secret sauces is saying yes to literally yep. anything. Well, my thought is always you can always say no. You can always give them their money back and say, I think it's too much, you know. 
But at the end of the day, it's a bunch of triangles. <laughs> you mark it out. Worst case scenario, you park do you it out. En- do you enjoy that challenge? Oh, I yeah. The big jobs, I really enjoy. Like, it's a challenge for you. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's It's... Yeah, it's just a challenge for yourself, and and if you can accomplish that, that's got to feel pretty dang good. And I get off on being in a room where I almost feel like I don't belong in that room, you know? They're saying these words and stuff, and and at first I was like, oh, I need to learn this vocabulary. I need to learn yeah. what these guys are saying so I can hang in the room. And after a while, you're like, I've built almost 15 over five flight staircases, or five, you know, they're not stories, half stories. You know, I've, I've built a, a lot of them, enough to say I build staircases. And once you do that, you sit in a room with these guys who like to throw a bunch of vocab out there, and you kind of go, yeah, 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 you guys are going to ask me how to do this later. So. You're going to ask for my shop yeah. drawings yeah. later. Sorry about that. Well, to kind of piggyback on that, too, so you you have kind of taken a little shift. And, are you? And, and I kind of used to hide the fact that I'm self-taught. You know, I thought, oh, my God, they're not going to let me weld anything, you know. And now I'm like, yeah, no, no schooling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I built that. I kill it. <laughs> How much debt are you in? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, if you, as you kind of evolved through this process, you're taking more of a, of a, have you taken more of a pride in the design factor of it? Oh, yeah. Does that become almost as, as much fun as actually building it? It's almost become a second career or a second part of the business because, you know, I, I've got really good. I took actually a college little class on, on the SketchUp thing um, and, and the fact that you can create these designs and, and you really can put your, you know, me communicating my design to someone was always a problem I had. Because I can't draw. You can see it. I can see it. I can't explain it. Right. I can't get them to feel what I'm seeing. Yes. You know, and I and I. It's can't gonna draw. be fucking sweet. It's, I've <laughs> had a lot of trust me's. <laughs> yeah. A lot of trust me's, and uh, and then once once I felt comfortable, and it's the confidence thing. Sure. This this 3D design is good enough to show someone. It's good enough to send to these big companies. Then I started saying, wait a second, this is taking me a lot of time. You guys should pay me for this, you know, and and once I started getting paid, then I could actually put more time into it, sure. and then I really started getting into well, it. Well, and being able to send somebody a digital design, they're like, man, this guy has his shit together. It it, like, it does give you that. This, he's legit. Mm-hmm. Definitely. He's gonna handle this. Yeah, that's cool. Because I remember the first time I got a SketchUp design, and I was like holy shit this is cool you can scroll around it you can you know zoom in how are these bolts going you can click on their notes and this and that and i thought i have to learn this i have to learn how to do this you know and it does bring in revenue (laughs) huh but it has become more of a pride also we should probably put sketchup in the uh you know for the AdSense on this it's a google company it's a google thing yeah Huh. I remember using SketchUp when I was like nine. I used Google. This was back when Google SketchUp was just starting. And, and they made it a completely free service where you just go access it through your web browser. Mm-hmm. And it was really rudimentary. But I remember building like a teardrop trailer in SketchUp and being like, this is amazing. Yeah. I could 
make this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's cool to hear that, like, now... Because I, I remember, I think a big company bought it from Google and kind of fucked around with it for a while, and then Google bought it back and was like, eh, we're going to make money off yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take our idea back. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. So where do you see the Alloy going in the future now? Where, what's the next five-year, ten-year plan that you have now? Uh, so you got to stop by my shop and, and, you know, as far as high tech in the welding world, cause it's not, there's nothing technical or tech about it, but I've created actually a, a table system that is really neat. And I have two welders on these swivel arms that go past this table. But basically what I've created is this train track system that these tables can slide and do. I mean, it, it makes setting up railings and stuff probably in a tenth of the time, you know? So where I see it going is taking that same system and just repeating it down the rows. Basically, the, and I've talked to the Riverton High School, you know, JTEC guy, and he's gonna send me enough welders that we can just keep these tables going down the row. You know, this building I have actually has an opportunity to expand right next door next year. And so that is the, the plan. Just keep on. So how many building. how many bays do you think you can get in there? Six. Six. Six railing racks, and you know you can build up to a thirty foot railing on it, and it it really it's pretty neat. Um, and the way I've set it up, these these four tables roll back and forth, and they have all these fixturing holes in them and stuff, and uh, and basically, I mean, what used to take probably an hour to set up for one single railing, because you set up these guides and everything, so your angles are on. The guys can do it without me there in about 10 minutes. Oh, wow. With two tools, they just have this huge angle finder. They know how to do it. Once they have that, they can lock in their blocks and weld away. So how close are you to getting the, the high school kids to reading the plans that you, you draw up and sketch up and executing? Are you, do you still have to be the kind of the intermediary to making sure that everything gets done? Or are we getting them trained to a point where you can now really turn over these bays and start really getting them it to does, produce. It does, each table kind of takes a leader, you know, and each table would require three people, a fitter and two welders. Um, but you do need someone with just a little bit of a head on their shoulders to, because there's four things. You got to know your height, your angle, your length, and obviously, you know, how many pickets you're getting, horizontal or, or vertical. Um, and they just kind of got to know that to set up the table set up the table you know um it's not the most complicated thing but i have two kids working for me right now one of them can't figure it out cannot figure it out the other one all about it he knows how to do it i don't even have to say anything hell i rolled up to the shop today he already had the next railing set up i was just so proud (laughs) (laughs) you know and i told him you learn this system i'll give you another buck an hour you learn how to cut i'll give you another buck an hour you learn how to do this. You make my life easier. I'll pay you however much you want. <laughs> yep. You know, the more you produce, and then I, and then I incentivize him with for every foot he makes, he makes a buck. Oh wow! So, hmm. but you know, it's a mindset thing because the other kid could take it or leave it. He doesn't care. He's just there for the hourly. He's just there. He he doesn't even know how much his buddy's making Man. more than him. They ride together. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you tell him or not. I don't care. But you know. Huh. 
That's really cool. I, I like that you have a... I'm probably a, not going to tell them about this podcast now. <laughs> uh, but that's really cool that you're, you're developing and you're, 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 you're being an entrepreneur. You found a niche that you, that you can thrive in. And now you're finding the different layers of it that you can add to it and having a forward-facing plan. That's what a lot of people miss. They, they come up with the first idea. Your first idea, if you'd stop there, you know, you, you'd be... I'd probably gotten another job. Yeah. If you'd stopped doing the, you know, doing the motorcycles, it didn't work. And you, the perseverance of pushing through and keep going until you found railings of all things. Yeah. And, and found that and move it. And now you've got a plan to expand on that. That's really cool. I think it's really cool that you can give back to the community. You're going to start taking in these kids, giving them a start. That's not very many people can do that. It's, it's funny pretty, that it's, it's like mutually great. beneficial, but it well, is. Well, I was right? just about to say, you know, I get cheaper, like, you know, a, a good welder goes for 30, 35 bucks an hour. Right. And these kids aren't getting that, you know, <laughs> um, but they're getting the experience and I'm getting, you know, enthusiastic labor. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for that, you're willing to roll through some mistakes and a little more handholding and, and, and there is a bit of that, you know, we need to do this better. You guys got to focus on this, the attention spans, you know, yes. <laughs> measure <laughs> just twice. Measure, measure everything. Measure twice. Keep measuring, you know. <laughs> huh. But I would take that, you know, that I have that same philosophy in my business that I would much rather have young and enthusiastic and willing and wanting to be there than somebody that has all of it, but, you know, getting them to do something or, yeah. God forbid, something outside of the norm. I already know. I already know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, I the contractor Scott Youth, and he has a, a designer and, uh, well, not getting into names, but anyway, the she she sent me a welder, you know, that was supposedly, but they they were kind of down on their luck. They got fired, so they came in, and I was like, yeah, but they're wanting thirty five, forty bucks an hour, but they won't cut, they won't grind, they won't fit. I, what the hell are you gonna do? I just weld. Here? <laughs> I only weld. I need. I have to hire four other people so you can do your job. And I have to pay you way more. Yeah. So what are you gonna do when you're not welding? <laughs> Well, again, that, that's why I would I'll take, take enthusiasm over experience anytime. Yeah, because when you go out and say, okay, we've got to go to Bear Lake and we're going to do this and it's December and it's four degrees out here, you know, but you're going to make $500 more. Okay. Yeah. Here we bust go. up. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, where you get this, the person that only does welding, that's all they do. They're not going to leave the shop. Yeah. They don't want to leave the shop. Right. Yeah. And, which completely goes against your yes theory that's gotten you to this point exactly. of where you're at today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mold them, and, and it's kind of funny because the one kid who wants to start his own business, you know, he, he asks me, can I go in the bids with you? You don't have to pay me. I just want to hear what you say to the customers and stuff like that. I just get the twinkle in my eye, like, yeah. somebody thinks what I'm doing is cool, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or somebody wants to learn what I do, I, you know? You can't help but think that you're the only one that is has an interest in this or something, and then all of a sudden there's this kid asking you to, puppy dog you you know that's kind of when you know you've made it in a way it feels it right? feels kind of accomplishing oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really cool now mind you you know the new shop's only so old but i'm still learning all these things and screwing up all these things but doing it less screw ups than yeah. than i was you screw, know? screwing up way better yeah <laughs> well i think that's always more efficiently more yes. efficiently screwing up yeah <laughs> no that's always the case you, you're constantly developing and if you're not if you're going through stuff and you're, you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough, you know, and it's from the sound of it, you've, you've pushed that envelope as far as you possibly can, you know, and, and most people, like you said, most people won't. 
Most people won't push their comfort level enough to go get that big job, to even throw a bid in on it just to see what if. Yeah. What if you do get it? <laughs> you know? Two months ago, I threw a bid up on the Capitol building. You know? Did you really? <laughs> There's 140 bids on it from around the country. But why not? What if? <laughs> That'd be wild. That would be cool. Because at the end of the day, it's just a bunch Did, of Have you heard shows. back about it? Oh, no. It takes no, a while. I won't get it. But <laughs> you never know. You never know. You never know. That's the thing. You know, it, what if? And if they call you back, all of a sudden you think, you, you get that, that uh, what is that? I don't, imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. That's, I, with this, with the uh, promotion that I just got, it was the same thing. Like I just, I, I interviewed for it just because that's what I do. Like if I see something that's like, oh, that's a lofty goal to set to try to get that. Like let's just throw in it throw my hand in the ring and see what happens. I got that call. Uh, like four or five days later, I was like, "Is this? Are you, is this a mistake? Are you? <laughs> is this a joke?" Because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like tight with the guy who you know who he called, right? Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Is this uh, you, Jim? Are you fucking, are you fucking with me right now? <laughs> <laughs> who put you up to this?" <laughs> but he was like, "No, really, you're gonna do great." It's like, "Shit, all right, cool." But I think the to your point, like you usually don't find what's going to be like your bread and butter until it's the last place you look. Yeah. 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 With railings for mm-hmm. you, right? Like it's, it's always the last place you look and that's where you find it. Well, and it's also the thing I used to avoid the most because I hated doing it because I didn't know how to do it, you know? Yep. You, you hate doing things you don't know how to do. Which is usually a very good indicator of finding a niche, by the way. Yeah. If you don't right? like it and it's hard and there's a lot of right. other people that don't like it and it's hard, that's probably a good place to start looking. You found something yeah. lucrative. Yeah. Right. <laughs> People are going to pay. You can always and make every, money. everywhere needs stairs and railings. Yeah. Well, and you can always make money doing stuff no one wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. And what you get is nobody Charge. wants to go through all the hoopla that these big companies want to put you through. They don't want to submit the 15 plans and have the meetings and do this and do that. Yeah. you got to go through some shit. <laughs> huh. So now when you're out and about, do you, do you like enjoy going on the bids now? Now that you're you've got kind because of, I just imagine when you started, it was very nerve wracking. Very nerve wracking to go on this. I get this dry mouth and I I start talking real fast and stuttering and you know now what you learn is just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> shut up. Everyone thinks you know something. Let that guy talk you into the job. Yeah. Like once you have that mentality of uh, convince me to do the job. I'm not going to convince you for me to do the job. Yeah, why should I do this yeah, job? this is a lot of work. I'm busy. You guys are a pain in the ass. And I hear you slow pay. You know, that's a term that guys in the industry use when contractors, you know. They pay them, but it's, it's down the road, you know. And you slow pay. Slow, 360. Slow paying <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> it is. He's a nice guy, but he's a slow payer, you know. Huh. But once you get that chip on your shoulder... It's a fake chip at first, still, to be honest with you. But Great chip to have. It's a better chip than a nervous chip. Sell me on your job. Yeah. It's very valuable. That's a, that's a hard transition for most people to make, you know, and, and making the mental shift. and it, Part of it, the fake it till you make it, you know, being able to act that way even when you don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a, that's a huge proponent of how people get ahead in life. You know. It, and to that point, you're bidding a job, and 
you know, back in the day and, and you got you got 200 bucks in your bank account. You're not really sure how this is going to work, but, you know, putting that aside and, and being able to bid the job not out of desperation. And, you know, even though shit isn't going real well, but, yeah, you know, you don't you don't ever do it out of desperate, desperation because I've been down that road. You end up usually not getting the job, you know, or you do get it and eh, it costs you money at the end of the day. You know. Well, I think that's one of the things uh, that most people don't understand. They, they, if you're there and you're in that desperation mode, what you end up doing is you end up selling money, right? And if you're selling money, and you know, more times than not, they don't pick the cheapest bid just because it's the cheapest. Absolutely. There is an element in there of that people want to feel like they're paying for what they get. Yeah. And that's a really hard lesson for, especially when you're you're hungry and you're you're desperate. You when know. You need money. When you need money. Yeah. And to, to act that way. I'm sure you've got story after story about oh. this. Oh, yeah. And you just learn not to not to show it, at least, you know. Sure, maybe you don't have, you know, the money in the bank or whatever. But, uh, yeah, don't sell the money. Don't yeah. talk about money. When you're bidding, money is almost irrelevant, you know. They want to know if you're going to get the job done. Right. And Especially these commercial guys. Yeah. But I've been caught talking money. You know, in the beginning, I was talking money. And I think they sense it. And they sense that desperation. And all of a sudden, you don't get the phone call. Right. But you're the guy like, Fuck Well, you. I would imagine it probably I don't want leads. your fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it probably leads to a distrust factor. You know, when you're giving off that vibe and you're trying to cut the corner on the price to get the bid, what else are you going to cut the corner on? Yeah. 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 You know? You're going to buy cheap bolts now? Right. You know? To save a, to save a penny on this? Yeah. <coughs> And also, and I've told Topher this before off off air, but uh, if you if you bid the job to get the job done right and to allow yourself the time and the materials and you're not trying to dig through the scrap bin to finish the job, you're <coughs> going to produce a better job. They're going to be happier, and you're going to get bigger jobs down the road. Um, and you're going to lose jobs because you – but if they can afford you to do the job right and to do it, the way you want to do it and the way you need to do it the right way so it doesn't rust so it doesn't do this if they can't afford that and if they want to go with Joe Schmo who's going to take their money fine right fine I don't need your job and once you have that mentality you get the job it's the most insane thing <laughs> it's a really tough one to, to get over though then that's that's not uncommon for for a lot of people you know be proud of your work Know what you're worth. Know what it takes for you to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing your worth. That's a big... It's a huge one. Uh, and, and these kids, teaching them that, it, it, that's probably the biggest hurdle we've had to, to overcome. Yeah, this, this part of the stair is going to go in the back corner. No one will ever see it. It doesn't matter. But doesn't you know matter. it will. We will. Every grind, every weld. We sand everything. We do everything. You know, the... <laughs> Because our stamp is on it. Yes. Our pride is on it. They've paid us to do all of it, you know, not cut corners and not do this. And what's funny is, is all of a sudden the inspector will see your thing. And somebody important will be sitting over there and he'll be like, I see that you, you took the time to, you know, make a cover plate for that ugly thing over there or, or this or that or whatever. And a year later, all of a sudden you're getting a call from that person who was sitting in the corner saying hey we got a staircase you know it doesn't always happen that way but it could happen that way 
you know. Yeah. Hmm. Do you market at all? Do you market yourself? Is it all word of mouth? All word of mouth. That's what I find. That is the same thing for me, right? Everyone asks, like, how do you get, how do you get so much work? Do work. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep doing. Just it. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take the phone calls, but follow the leads. You yeah. know, follow the leads and and do that. But, you know, as I'm progressing and as I'm, I'm very good at at making things. You know, I have this idea in my head to make this table system, and it's very efficient. And now all of a sudden I'm like, maybe the word of mouth is not as fast as we are. And it's starting to run out a little bit. So now I'm thinking, maybe I do need to advertise a little bit. You know, we're not quite there, but I can see another table system will be there. Word of mouth will not keep up with it. Right. So then we'll start to get into that marketing thing. And I'm dreading it because I don't know how to do it, you know, but I know myself and I know I've overcome bigger things than that. And uh, we'll figure out how to market. And I'm sure I'll kind of enjoy it at some point because I'll start to learn how to do it. And then I'll know how to do it. And that's what the biggest thing you try to teach people is just because you don't know how to fucking do it, just do it. Start yep. it. Just write something down. Download an app. Do something. If you think that, like, welders and tradesmen are crocs of shit, meet marketers. Oh, they are the masters of crocs of shit. That they are the masters of not knowing what the fuck they're doing and just being like, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. 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 We got this. We got you. Yeah. It's just the guy who can keep faking it, you know? But. No, that's. So, one other thing I really want to touch on it, because I know, obviously, I know you and I know the, the background, all of this, but it's not easy, right? It takes a certain mindset. To get up every day and go out and put yourself out there walk me through your mental process how do you go day in and day out where you're grinding in it and doing motorcycles right and it's not working and you go and figure this out and you, you what gets you up gets you through day in and day out what's your mental process you gotta elaborate a little bit more on that you know because i'm gonna give you a, a catchy answer well give us the catchy answer and i'll die diverge from there I refuse to lose I refuse I want to be something I want my name not my name I I don't care me I just want to be bigger you know I see kids 27 years old that's I'm 27 almost 28 and yeah they don't got five dollars to their name we go out to dinner they can't afford it you know I've been stuck with bills from my friends more times than I know but I just I want to be better. And all of a sudden, you're better. Not better, but you're doing it harder than they are. Oh, no. Life has trophies. Oh, yeah. It's money. And, yes. you know, and even as I, I digress from that last comment, no, fuck them. <laughs> I am working harder than that. Yeah, that's right. I am, you know. <clears throat> and That's uh, knowing your worth. Mm-hmm. I just, and even in the motorcycle thing, the furniture thing, the, the other 10 facets that I've come across, I wanted to be the best at that. And I just wanted whatever I was doing I just wanted it to be bigger and bigger and bigger and I want me to be bigger and that's what gets me up you know I want to take on those big jobs I don't know how to do because I just want to I know once I get one of those under my wing someone's going to give me another one yes someone's going to and then that'll evolve into this will we be doing railings five years from now I'm not sure but you know I just want to be the best I not the best but you know bigger it's okay to say that i want to be bigger yeah and i'm and i like saying i work i don't know anyone that works harder 
I like saying that. I really do. I get off on it. <laughs> it which is funny because my dad, when I was maybe 10 years old, I said, what is your deal? Why? He goes, on my tombstone, I want them to write, I'm the hardest worker. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, look at me, you know. Well, I mean, look in the mirror. It's okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, I really do. I think that's really cool. I think um, wherever it was derived from, and I know that you have a competitive sport background as well, that seems to be a mindset that I see very commonly in, athlete, in athletes versus non-athletes is that, that competitiveness, I don't care what you're doing, you want to be the best at it. Um, whether it was baseball, whether it was, was business, whether it's welding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but a lot of people don't, don't have that mindset um, to the point that I think it's even gotten to, I think that's actually the mindset that people call toxic masculinity at this point, huh. okay? Where that drive, that urge to, be the best and, and do more and go get more and all of a sudden frowned upon all of a sudden it's frowned upon but that really is and i, I know and that i do get shunned by you know my girlfriend's friends are lesbians and they just love to rip me down because i work i'm just the red-blooded american <laughs> four truck driving motherfucker that no one can, no one ever knows where i am because i'm always gone working I can never hang out because I'm working, you know, and somehow that's a problem. They, you know, ask and, and, me for rent money. Yeah. But, you know, they like to tear you down when you're at the bar having a drink, you know, because I work too damn hard. But then they're all but too comfortable to go ahead and leave you with that bill for yeah. you to pick yeah, it up. Yeah. And all of a sudden everyone's gone. And yeah. the bill's on the table, well, you the, know. The, the Landon retired at 40 with plenty of money in the bank yeah. doing whatever the fuck you want. You're going to be laughing all the way home yeah. at that point. Yeah. While you guys are all working far past retirement because you didn't fucking buckle down for 10 years. You know? Right. That's all it takes. 10 years. Buckle the fuck down. Do what you got to do. Fuck them. You don't need to go drink and party. And I think you're starting to see the pendulum shift. Um, and I, I, I'll go to bat on this one. I think the, the first big bulldozer in that direction was Tate. And, and it's moving. It, it, it's making a comeback. Um, I, I will play devil's advocate, though. I think the reason that the pendulum swung in the other direction from the grind set, the work until you drop or whatever, is because there is a healthy balance to be had, and you can have a healthy balance and still be successful. Like, you can still deal with your health, eat real food, cook for yourself, like, figure all these other things out. It doesn't have to just be I, all I do is work, all I know is work, all I live is work, all I breathe is work, you can balance and still be successful. It doesn't, I, I don't know if you have found some of that. It's tough. Yeah. I, I think the hard part with that is, is you find it's really hard to turn it off. Like, yeah. if you're going to have a... If you're gonna Either have you a, are that person or you yeah, are that person. I, and I, I agree. And it, I think what the pushback is, is, is that is that mindset that you have of wanting to be the best at everything that you do is just as valuable as, as the opposite. You know, that it takes different people to do different things, but the demonization of that oh, mindset, yeah. it does need to swing back. Right. Because right. the world was built with that mindset. Well, like, you can why work. can't I be just a hardworking guy? Yeah. Why, why is that Well, why but is to that your problem? point, you, you come home, 
you've worked 12 hours and you're laying there in bed thinking, I, I just didn't get everything I need to get done today, yeah. you know? Right. And so then you think or your on, health, the food, you know. Or on vacation. Yeah. I'll do that all the time. You're, you're like, like guilty about being on vacation. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man, I hope stuff's still happening. I hope I'm not going to go back to a shit show. But you do. I don't, I, this is something that I'm, I'm kind <laughs> of, and I guess maybe the answer is, is if you could find that 10, 15% that you love to do with your job, right? Right. That would, that would help it tremendously. Uh, but I don't think that, I think that, uh, who said this? Um, oh, it was uh, Rob Lowe, not Rob Lowe. Who's the dirty jobs guy? Mike Lowe. Mike, 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 Mike yeah. He Mike said, Rowe. Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe. Don't, don't chase the thing that you're passionate about because you're passionate if i chase nothing but motorcycles we'd never have a motorcycle you know what i'm saying (laughs) um but chase the thing that you're good at and be good at it Mm -hmm. and and keep pushing with that and and have the mindset of you're going to wake up today uh, this is a chael sonnen quote but the definition of a fighter is somebody that gets up puts their boots on and goes to work and we've lost that somewhere that was something you know world war ii was came around that's what put the United States on the map, was that mindset. Oh, shit, they bombed Pearl Harbor. Time to go to work. Yeah, put your boots on. Put your boots on, get up, go to work, and, and good stuff will happen to you. I think where a lot of people lose it these days is that they have, a, they have the mindset of, like, oh, woe is me, or the, the victim mentality has really taken over. Yeah. And a lot of that victim mentality can be combated by wake up and go to work and just see where the chips fall. And most people that have that mentality do come out as, as successful people. Right. And I will acknowledge to my devil's advocate comment that... You're the opposite of that? No, well, no. I think I, they're... Like, I have had phases. I think you'll, you'll go through phases of, like, you're going to work really hard, at least as for me. I go through a phase. I'm going to work really hard throughout this phase. And you don't... It's not like you acknowledge it before you go into the phase. Like, okay... Also, I'm going to work really hard. Trenches. <laughs> yeah. Right. All of a sudden, you're just in. Yeah. And you're just working really hard. And I think it's it, it takes the person who can handle both sides of it and then come out the other side and realize that there's a balance to be struck. Like, you're going to spend your 20s probably grinding really hard. You're probably not going to have a whole lot of balance in your life, but you're going to find success that way. And then you've got to be able to step back from that and not continue to grind into your 30s, 40s, and 50s until your health is completely gone. Yeah. You have to be able to step back and go, okay, I found success. Now I need to start rounding myself out a little mm-hmm. bit more. And I think that's where – and it happens on the other end too where the people never want to work hard, never want to put in that period of their life where they're just like grinding it out, and then they don't find success. And they're 50 years old. They're still living in an apartment, yes. and they're miserable. Yeah. Well, we're putting success on monetary value too. True. Well, they don't have motorcycles either. Yeah. yeah. There is. There's a big point there, though. Right? My happiness like, is a huge part of the things I can buy. Yeah. Yeah. Or want to buy. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I know people. My sister and her husband. They live in a small town, a small rural town. They were able to buy their house in cash for 20 grand. Christ. They have two kids. They're raising their kids. They've got an awesome like garden. They've built out a great community for themselves. Their life is so simple, so easy to pay for, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. They've like, they found happiness in the simplicity of it, which is cool, too. You know, but to, to his point of, of the balance thing, the harder 
the more tired you get from the work that you're doing, the more you think maybe I should smarten up a little bit, you know, and and you the more times you just get to that like rock bottom, can't stand up kind of work, you think, okay, I gotta, I gotta think more, use my head more and less hands, you know, and and that is the kind of the transition of like let these kids kind of do a little bit of the work, get behind the computer for a, an hour or two a day, and all of a sudden I'm, I can think clearer, I can I've got a little bit more time on my hands to think about how to make money and you make more money you know when you think think use your head work smarter yeah no that's a very good point that's a really good point and in to piggyback on that always be looking around and i know you're 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 big into this but you're always looking for opportunities and always looking for ways to improve and make it making it easier okay is meaning make it more efficient yeah so that you can make more money so that, that all that stuff goes hand to hand mm-hmm. and i do and i do think that a huge problem with the small business to you know the more efficient big business and here's the you want to get into it the government's problem is they'll give you umpteen thousand dollars to a kid for student loans but they won't give them any money for a small business right and the problem is is once you go from that one man shop that i was in and that that little leeway time that three month period where you're trying to get something started you're trying to get it going and but money it takes a little bit of money to get over that hump you know and i and i was fortunate enough to save up some money and and get through that um you know people who told me i was going to hit that hump and i did hard but then you, once you get over that hump, you're good to go. But the problem is, is, is that, little, that little gap of time, and it's tough, and that's where everyone goes out of business. But that's also where that point of the mindset, those are the ones that get through it. How you get through that hump is you wake up every day and you go, okay, I, ha- it, I have to go do this. I've dug this hole, okay, I'm here. Yeah. I have to wake up. I have to put my boots on. I got to go do this. And I'm going to do it again today. I'm going to do it again tomorrow and keep going until you're through it. And then you don't really notice you're through it until you look back and go, oh, shit, we made it. I've got, I got six of these bays now up and operating. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm in the office all day now. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people, I think, you hear it all the time. They sit back, well, if I had 50 grand, if I had this that but mark cuban i love mark cuban maybe you guys don't like mark cuban he's like you don't need a fucking dollar you know you just do it small just do it small build it up build it big you don't need to take out a hundred a hundred grand you know i know a guy started this welding shop downtown well more north north salt lake he takes out a hundred grand puts it all into machinery he's out in two months because he can't pay the note he thinks he's going to do all this stuff and whatnot but I think that's those are the talkers. Those are the ones that like for a decade are like, I'm gonna do this. I'm mm-hmm. gonna do this thing. I'm gonna be a, a welder. And then when they finally like, when rubber hits the pavement, they've been talking about it for so long that they've hyped this big thing up in their mind that they're gonna immediately try to jump into. It's like, yeah. bro, you've been living a dream for ten years. Yeah, you have to start at year one. Yeah. And work your way to where you think you should be while you've been thinking, while you've been imagining your life for the last ten years, as opposed <laughs> right. to living it. Right. Hmm. 
But again, it, to me, it all comes back down to it because I don't care if you're an athlete. I don't care if you're whatever you're doing. If you deploy the mindset that you have, that's how you get the stuff that, that comes with it. It's that, it's that wake up and go to work. But not so much that. It's Look at all the big wigs of our time. They just uh, didn't stop when they failed in its adversity, I think. It's not, oh, yeah. about, it's not about hard work. It's not about that. It's that they just, you know, a little hiccup in the road didn't stop them. They just, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. He came out this documentary, you know, he's like, I didn't win. I just went back. I didn't win. I just went back. There's no weights in my town. I just made weights, you know. It's like nothing's impossible. Hmm. No, it's really good. Pretty good, Arnold. 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 <laughs> Spot on, Arnold. Best I've heard all day. Good. <laughs> That's really cool, Landon. I really appreciate you coming on and giving us an insight into your into your business and and everything that you have going on. Um, we'd love to have you on more and, and do more because I know you've got a lot of other subjects that we could go into. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I hope you're going to be a staple point on this. You are a, an American mastermind, so we really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, everybody, for listening this evening, and we'll catch you next time. you got to get me one of those shirts. I'll get you one of those shirts. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you one of the shirts. You get one of the get you a patch. We'll get you all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I need some, I need some garb. Some Swag. You know, swag, yeah. Swag. <laughs> Don't call it dark. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun. Oh, wow. Really burned through that time. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to 10 o'clock. I thought it was 9. How that happens. That's fun.